Money Mindset I think that sounds alright. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It's the five-step method to getting money mindset, getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day, and less stress in your life. Get your copy today. You can pick it up on Amazon, in print, Kindle, or Audible version. We also give away some free training with every book bought which is automating your finances to get more me time so you have more time to do the things that you love with your with your day. Get your copy today. Hello and welcome to Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the fourth season of the podcast. Wow, how time has flown. So the first episode was back in 2018. Imagine that. So the first episode we recorded with Antoine Allen, the ITV reporter, in a dark, damp basement in a recording studio in East London. So times have changed. I'm now recording from Oxford and I am joined today by Charlotte O'Leary, who is the CEO for Pensions for Purpose. So stay right to the end because she's going to give tips away of how you at home can use your investing for good and how you can use your investing for impact. So thanks so much for joining us, Charlotte. So the Amazon is burning, rivers are flooding, and the planet is warming. What would be the one thing policymakers can do to stop this from happening? Oh, there are so many things, but I think, for me, one fundamental thing uh, is is working towards a global tax treaty. Okay. The Paris Agreement, as well as harmonised regulation. So at the moment, we're suffering from geographic disparities in achieving Paris alignment. Yeah. And so we can all go, we can all go around, can't we, individually doing as much as we can. Yeah. Uh, you know, we can use our reusable bags, we can put our LED lights in, we can do all of this, but the loopholes and inconsistencies that are there within different nation states will continue to be exploited. And we're talking about trillions um, of pounds. So that's really where I think you need to start. Um, And I think that would have a massive impact on the climate change agenda. Okay, so what would a global tax impact or tax look like? Well, I think you probably have to ask the people who uh, who put together the the sort of tax treaties, but yeah. it would need it would need to align with what they're mandating around TCFD. So, so what's TCFD? Sorry, the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures. So okay. At the moment, um, you know what the UK at least is asking for, and what other um, nations are asking for is for companies to disclose um, their emissions. Okay. Looking at scope one, two, and three emissions. Okay. And there should be um, tax uh, uh, stipulations, there should be regulations relating to those outputs. So at the moment, they just have to disclose them. Okay, interesting. So if anyone at home wants to learn more about tax, we have to have a whole episode on tax. We've got Dominic Frisby, who is um, the writer for Money Week. So we talk more about actually uh, a land value tax, which was quite interesting, but yeah, super, super interesting. So, for the listener at home, why impact investing? Why is it so important today? So, what should the listener? Why should the listener care about investing? Why should the listener even bother about yeah investing their money? Tell me more about that. Um, 
Well, I think the reason why impact investing is so important, and I'll just kind of give a, a sort of a, an overarching definition. So in, impact is really about understanding that all investments have an impact on society and the environment. Yeah. And the reason why we're, we're um, marking this out as something different to just traditional investing is because it was never baked in to historic standard economic models. Yeah. So those factors just won't, weren't um, factored in and it's not surprising because we didn't have much diversity and inclusion back in the 1930s and 1950s and most economic models were put together by white middle-aged men yeah didn't, didn't put in place you know the domestic economy didn't see the value in society and the environment and so therefore what we're doing now is we're, we're retrofitting so impact is about understanding negative impacts that you have yeah. It's about understanding positive impacts that you can have. And it's about pursuing positive impacts. It's about mitigating negative impacts. So how can you go about doing that? Well, you can, obviously, um, you can engage. You, you know, you can do things like proxy voting. You can get your um, investment managers to vote or, or look at only investing with managers that vote in a particular way yeah. in order to mitigate some of that risk. I mean, some of the obvious examples are Boohoo or BP, that have had to revalue their assets on the basis of some pretty hard-hitting, um, you know, news. Yeah. So these things are real risks, um, but also opportunities. You know, there are opportunities to invest in, um, you know, new technologies, in um, clean technology, in social affordable housing, in SME financing, education, biodiversity, regenerative agriculture. It's about understanding these themes and these things you can invest in. It's about pursuing it and seeing where those opportunities exist. What I think you mentioned there was something really exciting is that the person at home actually can vote. It's not just on, you can vote not just politically with your MP, but you can actually vote on, when, you, when you're a shareholder, you actually, you're not just, you become an owner of that company. So you're not just investing for your retirement, you're not just invest, investing for your pension, you're not just investing into an ISA. You at home actually have the power to change how these companies are run and how these, and the people who actually run these companies. So if you disagree with the person in charge, you could, you as a shareholder can actually go along to these meetings and say, actually, we don't agree with what you're saying and we can vote you out, which is really exciting. And I think a lot of people don't understand this and it is something that will maybe change and I don't know much about the proxy voting is actually quite exciting as well if you can actually say to your fund manager actually I don't want to have to worry about this sort of thing but me as a voter I can trust you as a your credentials I can look at your history and actually you can vote for me so I don't have to turn up everyone's busy these days doing their own nine-to-five job and you can actually get someone to vote for you that would be quite exciting and you mentioned and it's transforming all the time. So some asset managers now are starting to offer split voting. So you okay. used to have to just go along with whatever the investment manager, fund manager, um, subscribed to. Yeah. And, and that would be your decision. You couldn't. But now, you know, as a significant investor, they can make different voting decisions depending on what the different investor wants and what their preferences are. And so it is about understanding that. And then there are other things like um, Tumalo, for example, which is um, a member engagement tool. So Tumalo, is that, so, what company is that? Is that, or tell me more about that. T t Tumalo. Yeah, I haven't heard so of that. It, Explain yeah, more no, about it's, a, it's a company that offers um, members of pension schemes the ability to engage, to actually okay. determine their preferences when it comes to certain types of investments. So that's really, really powerful because most people will struggle to understand 
A, what they're invested in, who to speak to, um, and also once they understand which funds they're invested in, which companies, um, you know, underlie that investment. And yeah. that's really, really important. I mean, one of the key things, I think, as an individual, is actually everyone should take a personal finance day. Everyone should yeah. take a day out where they, and I know this is tricky, yeah. but you actually look through your pension scheme, look through your ICES, look at, and look at where you're invested and try and do some investigative work into that. And some of the things you should be asking for from your pension fund or from your investment manager, what's their inv responsible investment policy? Yeah. What's their policy on climate change? Do they have a net zero ambition? Yeah. Um, you know, what, 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 do they, what are their views on workers' rights? How are they approaching impact investing? Like, ask some really hard-hitting questions and don't be afraid to do that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is to also look at um, potentially um, forming a group um, you know, with other pension scheme members, you know, when we talk about pension, it all feels a bit abstract, but that's your colleagues. So, you know, look, look to form a group with your colleagues where you have shared interests and you want to have a positive impact on society and the environment and work collaboratively and then go to the trustees of the pension scheme and say, this is what we would like to see. You know, we're, we're members, we have a voice, this is our money. Um, you know, that's a really powerful tool as well because collaborative engagement has been shown to work. So there's Climate Action 100 Plus is a collaborative engagement of investors that has actually managed to get companies like BP to revalue their assets, you know, and to rebrand as beyond petroleum. Yeah. So it can have a massive impact. So, so th those are some really positive things, I think, that individuals can do. Brilliant. I really like the idea of a personal finance day and take, yeah, an hour and 90 minutes to look at your finances and see where you are. So as a, as a money coach myself, I help people make better decisions with their money. And I actually can, at one of my um, ways I help people is essentially to get them into a room, teach them how to invest. And all you need to do is 90 minutes a day. So the reason I started my company, Money Tips, was because some of my friends would watch TV or watch football games or go and watch a match and say, I, they would say, Neil, I don't have the time to invest, I don't have the time to understand. And I'm like, you're watching a football game for 90 minutes rather than watching a 1-1 draw on a Wednesday, a rainy Wednesday evening. Just come and learn about finances for 90 minutes and I can teach you, essentially the majority of what you need to know or at least get you to a, a better stage where you previously were and learn more I'm about finances. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you know why this is because most of us don't join the dots. You know, yeah. So you know, the coronavirus pandemic, uh, flooding, um, you know, the change in weather patterns, these are all happening as a result of climate change and the investments we make have an impact on climate change. And we will all go around saying, um, you know, we've had to change our insurance policies. Maybe people are having to move as a result of flooding. Maybe there'll be a huge amount of displacement. You know, that's going to have a massive impact on people's day-to-day -day lives. And the investments you make now will have a massive impact on what will happen in relation to those events in the future. So it is about taking some personal responsibility, but understanding what the pain points are for you and also that you have children. You know, many people have children, grandchildren. You know, what are the impacts going to be on them, you know, and the effect that we have? Nobody's going to be thinking about going to a football match or buying a Pepsi if they're underwater. Yeah. That's very powerful. Yeah, no, that's great. I think you raised a good point about taking personal responsibility. And it's interesting you mentioned BP, Beyond Petroleum, or what I used to call Beyond Petroleum, obviously British Petroleum. But I used to be a shareholder in BP. I come from an oil background. I used to work for Shell Trading. 
and I used to be a shareholder of BP, believe it or not, and I have now taken personal responsibility and sold all my shares. I didn't feel comfortable holding BP for three reasons I sold them. One, because of their records. Essentially, if you look at the the oil flood, uh, the oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico, that was down to a lot of bad engineering, a bad planning. There's, it happened previously. There was a, um, a Thunder Horse, um, it was a Thunder Horse oil platform actually had a lot of problems as well. And so they had precedent in kind of oil spills. And so I decided to actually take responsibility and sold them. And you mentioned Beyond Petroleum, which they kind of branded themselves as in maybe 10 years, 10 years ago. And clearly they're still thick in oil. Um, so they kind of said they were going to move away from oil and they still are in much, uh, much of the assets are still in oil and also individual shares as well. So it's a, you can reduce your risk by 60% by selling individual shares and buying collective shares, like you mentioned, uh, in funds or um, index trackers that you can buy not just one share, but you're buying one or two. Or there's scientists that are much cleverer than I am worked out that there's about 40 to 50 companies in a basket is actually 60% less risky than owning one share. So that's essentially taking personal responsibility. There is, there's definitely um, obviously a, um, a benefit to being diverse. Um, I think, and, and you, you raise a really good point around divestment because I think particularly for individuals, these can seem like very binary um, decisions. Yeah. You're either investing in a company or you're not. Um, at Pension for Purpose, we take the view, I mean, we're, we're not working directly with pension scheme members, but we're we are working with trustees. It's a very, very difficult decision for a pension scheme to decide to divest from a particular company. Part of the issue also is we would always rather have a responsible investor invested in a business to help transform that business and to encourage them to engage, um, to change practices. Now, that doesn't mean you can't, for instance, say, you, you can start to, to sort of say to them, right, well, if you don't start to change your practices, we're going to cut our, our holding. You know, so you can do it incrementally and you yeah. can use the threat of the divestment. But the issue is, just because you divest doesn't mean that some less scrupulous investor is not going to invest in that company. Yeah. So it's, it's about what your strategy is. So are you going to then invest in other oil companies that have yeah. better practices yeah. and help support them to promote what they're doing? Or are you going to keep... Um, a toehold investment in a company that needs to transform, but it's going to be significant in the market. Because one of the one of the issues of, around climate change is that many of these oil companies now will be looking to sell off um, some of these, um, you know, parcels of land where they yeah. could have drilled in the past, and they will be selling them off to private companies where you know what they're doing will not be disclosed and yeah. actually that's more worrying then you get a, a sort of a shadow market you know so there's there are always implications to all of these different things which is why i came back originally to saying you need a global taxation system and you need harmonized regulation because you can do as much as you can individually but yeah. without that threshold you can't change anything systemically that's great. So that leads me on to really nicely to the next question. So you're the CEO of Pensions for Purpose. You mentioned it briefly, but just tell us more about Pensions for Purpose, what you do and what problems you solve. Yeah, sure. So um, so Pensions for Purpose basically acts as a bridge between pension funds, investment consultants and asset managers. It's a very kind of intermediated chain. So you've got pension scheme members, people are listening to this. Yeah. Then you've got the trustees of pension funds that make decisions around investments. 
then you've got investment consultants that advise those trustees, and then you've got asset managers that invest the money on your behalf into companies. You've got a really long um, kind of chain there. And what tends to happen is a bit like Chinese whispers. And, and also, you tend to have different goals, you know, different objectives sure. for each of those players in the chain. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get all of them onto the same kind of wavelength. Yeah. So that we're all talking about the same thing, the same language. We are effectively a training, education, information platform. We're exclusively focused on transforming the way investors think about the impact of their investments on people and planet. Yeah. And that's about systemic change. So one of the things I would say is that I would like an ESG and impact to, yeah. and this is going to sound quite big, but I really do believe this. It's a bit like the discovery by Christopher Columbus that the world is round and not flat. Yeah. So effectively, we've treated the economic system as one-dimensional with one measure of output, which is GDP, Yeah. which is effectively a false in- interpretation of the holistic inputs and outputs involved in our economy. And it means that we focus on growth to exclusion of all else. Um, basically, ESG is a recognition of the economic system. Is so it's brand. environmental governance. Yeah. And exactly. uh, what's, what's the other one? So it's uh, social. So environmental, social and governance. So just to, to, right. to clarify yeah. for exactly. me and the listener. So, that, so that's why I would say when people say, you know, ethics, it's about ethics or about what you believe. It yeah. actually isn't. Yeah. What we are talking about is fundamental problems, fundamental risks. This shouldn't be an ESG product that you dip into. This is something fundamental that every single investment should build in. And we are now seeing accounting practices. So we've got SASB, which is the Sustainability and Accounting Standards Board, which is actually starting to bake in accounting rules for companies on how they value environment society. Interesting. I think New Zealand does a similar thing. They're actually not just taking profits. They're actually taking planet and people as well and using it kind of a, a third model of actually not just measuring profits a company against how much money they make but they're also actually measuring per, uh, like people how well you're treating your staff your employees your workers and also the planet how much are you yeah polluting the planet i think companies like bp are almost on um they're on a level playing field uh, they're not on a level level playing field i should say if you're just focusing on how much profit you make and if they're destroying the planet then a company might be using renewable solar that's actually not polluting the planet but they're at kind of an unfair advantage because we're, we're just using this single measure of, measure of GDP at the moment. And we'll maybe touch on exactly. GDP afterwards. And New Zealand's a really good example because Jacinda Ardern obviously has kind of dethroned GDP. Yeah. And adopted a happiness and well-being index. Okay. And it's really interesting because I think there are some people who will look at that and think, you know, is that is that the best sort of measure? How, how do you calibrate that? Is that, you know, something quantitative? Yeah. But it's interesting. In the UK, we work the longest hours in Europe and have lower productivity. Yeah. You know, we have a social care system breaking down because the number of older people we're supporting. And our only worth as a human being is your ability to earn and pay tax. Yeah. So that in and of itself actually links to the climate change problem. Because if what you're saying to people is, you only have a value if you go out and work. So if you get in your car or you get on the train and you go and do a service or make a product that potentially harms the environment and society, that isn't actually helping overall. So, you know, I, I think a national measure of success should be an extrapolation of an individual's measure. Yeah. Um, and, and to be honest, none of these ideas are new. So, I mean, 
Jeremy Bentham, during the middle of the 18th century, put forward the view of utilitarianism, which yeah. is actions that maximise the happiness and well-being for as many individuals as possible. Yeah. And our NHS is underpinned by exactly this view. So what we need is an economic system that isn't dislocated from this anymore. It's, it embeds it in the same way. No, 100% agree. One of my conclusions from my book, Millennial Money Mindset, if you want the fruits, you need the roots, is actually we need to change GDP to a measure that's something more meaningful. It measures, you use going, your car example, going to work. If, for instance, that car gets into a crash, obviously that would be a devastating thing for the person driving and the pedestrian, or any, but that would be a positive thing for GDP because it would you'd have to buy a new car, you'd have to get that replaced, you'd have to get... Um, the road might need repairing, and these all things are good for GDP, according to the, the if you just look at yeah. the balance sheet of profit, which is obviously a, not a good thing if you're in a car crash and causing um, harm to other people. So, yeah, let's maybe talk about an aha moment, which is kind of like a moment where you thought like you were just you kind of gave you an insight or something that you didn't realize before and kind of an aha moment with investing where you realize that something kind of changed your thinking where you realize this and and what did you what did you realize it and, and how did you change um yeah i think i think for me when i started i started working at investment manager as an analyst and yeah. we go into it because most people who are channeled into this have economics degrees they all go, go to the same sorts of universities. There's a lot of rote learning. You do get the same sort of person, which is why we have this issue around diversity and inclusion in this industry. But you realize very quickly that investing is less of a science, more of an art. Yeah. So we want to rely on the back, on backward-looking numbers and company projections, but ultimately, I think it's about, do you believe in the concept? Do you believe in the people running it? And are they invested? Um, and then I think the other thing is going from short-term to long-term thinking and avoiding herd mentality. So focusing on fundamentals. Do I believe the business is going to do well? Yeah. Do they have the right people? Is what they sell needed? Um, what is the direction of travel from a regulation tax standpoint? What is the impact on all of their stakeholders? Um, and I think ultimately it's, it's called investment for a reason. It requires patience, um, fortitude and sometimes acting against that fight or flight instinct that we have when we start seeing valuations going down and we you know and you know i studied psychology so i'm very okay. aware of like the, the issues around you know heuristics yeah but it's it's interesting we still treat it as though it's fundamentally about maths yeah and it absolutely isn't i think you're it's totally right i think it's it's more of an art than a science I would add on to that it's not just an art it's not just a science it's a practice it's doing it day to day and it's getting experience in it so I worked on a trading floor for 10 years and the amount of psychology I didn't even realize it at the time but when the market crashes it it sets off kind of chemicals in the brain they call this the part of the brain is the amygdala and it gets this kind of fight or flight reaction and it makes you do silly things it makes you do things that you wouldn't do as a rational person because we're all human we're all kind of have this wiring in our brains that makes us do silly things because it kept us safe thousands of years ago when we were living in the you know plains of africa if the same thing happened if you saw um, a scary tiger or lion or you know elephant running at you you would it would keep you safe because this fight or flight thing would kind of kick in and it would mean you would run away i think psychology is so powerful and it's really underestimated how much of our wiring affects investing what are your thoughts i've been more interested to hear about your psychology and investing 
what any kind of I love um, like mental models if like um, like maps mental maps that I kind of use and I write about in my book essentially it's like the brain's made up of three and we get this kind of fight or flight um, it's a kind of the old ancient brain part of our body but um, yeah, do you have any mental maps or any kind of things that you look at when you're from your psychology that yeah, relates to investing? There's a really good, there's a really good book by Daniel Kahneman and ah, okay, Carl Tversky yeah. called Thinking Fast and Slow. Yeah. And they do actually explore a lot of our fundamental flaws in thinking and around probabilities. Yeah. When we try to assess probabilities when it comes down to money. Yeah. And that's a really, really interesting book. If, if anyone's interested in, in, in that side of things, I find that um, fascinating because, you know, I think we also have this tendency to look up to investment managers and think that somehow they are divorced from these natural things that we're exposed to, these natural emotions, and they absolutely yeah. aren't. Yeah. They all go through. I mean, we've seen we've seen Neil Woodford, right? You know, yeah. sort of star fund, fund manager went and set up his own business and became sort of blindsided by, um, you know, issues that he should have really have seen. Yeah. So, so I think we've come away, hopefully we've come away from this sort of star fund manager culture yeah. where we look up to somebody. I think it's the same in any context. In a healthcare context, you look up to the doctor and we become submissive. Yeah. I think that's what happens in an investment context. We become submissive. That person knows, that person's got an economics degree. Um, and it's really understanding those things about yourself and about the process and how you think that really makes um, a difference. You know, that's why you shouldn't make um, very sort of quick decisions about things. You should take your time, digest all of the information, yeah. look for other opinions. You know, um, we, you know, at Pensions for Purpose, we're always talking about getting like a third party view, you know, an independent perspective, because the problem yeah. is everybody's invested in a particular outcome. Yeah. You know, so what, what you know, you need to understand why you know somebody's doing something why somebody's giving you the advice they're giving you yeah um this is the same as it was years before with the ifa market you yeah. know which had to be entirely transformed um you know so there are always there are always issues that you're contending with but i think it's definitely important to be aware of that psychology yeah um and how we act in times of stress as well um you know so yeah i think that's a really really important point to think yeah. about and it's a great book. I really like uh, Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, Daniel Hanneman. He actually won a Nobel Prize for it. Uh, yeah. If anyone's at home thinking, it's quite a dense book. It's an it's almost like an academic book. I think he, he wrote a number of studies on it. I've actually got a YouTube uh, video on it, if anyone is listening and thinks, actually, I don't want to read the whole book. I just want to know the core. I think it's, I've taken away five, the five main points. I won't go into it here. But yeah, go check out Millennial Money Mindset on YouTube and you can watch the video on that. And also, yeah, so maybe moving on to the United Nations conference so there's this year in Glasgow so there's a huge conference going on and essentially the four aims of this conference this United Nations global conference is keep climate global climate below 1.5 degrees Celsius enable communities and habits to adopt climate change mobilize climate finance and collaborate to deliver action and how so essentially how would yourself and pensions for purpose essentially help solve these four aims that the UN are looking to to solve yeah so um, I mean we're effectively a collaborative organization so we bring members together as I've said we brought stakeholders together but what we're trying to do now is create more impetus so we set up the beginning of this year a Paris alignment forum which is about specifically looking at 
um, how you set things like net zero targets, Paris alignment goals. What does so that net zero, that's so, so just sorry, just to interrupt, um, just to clarify for the listener and for me as well. So net zero, essentially, it's zero increasing carbon dioxide release and it's and it's 2050 is it, or 2030 what tell me more about just yeah. tell me more about that but, but, yeah but some investors are going for earlier so some are um deciding to go for 2030 but yes, okay so gen- general goals. is it 2050 and it's net zero produced in 20 by 2050 is that correct yeah okay. that, that that's kind of crazy but yeah yeah that also means actually taking away the carbon that already exists in the atmosphere. So that's okay. not just turning... T- so John Sturman yeah. gave a kind of bathtub analogy when it okay. comes to um, glo- a greenhouse gas emissions. Yeah. You've got to turn the taps off, yeah. which means obviously cutting our emissions, but there still exists yeah. in the bath, yeah. um, you know, an amount of carbon that needs to be, um, you know... Uh, sort of removed yeah and that requires investing in carbon sinks yeah so carbon sinks can be timberland aquaculture agriculture um you know and that's where impact investing really comes into its own it's about positively deciding to invest in real assets yeah that will actually have that impact that effect um and so what we do within our Paris Alignment Forum is we bring in other groups like the Institutional Investors Group on Climate Change, Transition Pathway Initiative, and we educate um, pension funds on how they can reach those targets. Yeah. And we work with asset managers as well to see how they can start bringing in you know, carbon reporting so that they yeah. can start to bring down um, their emissions. So it's really about trying to deliver action yeah. through Collaborate. So really that fourth point is effectively what, what we're aiming to do. I totally agree with action. When I was mentioned just a moment ago, I think uh, the, t- the clock is ticking. There is, um, we're running out of time, essentially, and 2050 seems a long way away. And it's, I feel like, coming back to the BP example, where they came out with their kind of Beyond Petroleum many years ago, and, yeah, it's, it seems like the cans has been kicked down the road over and over again, whereas, actually, if we... I think we're moving to a, almost a post-rational world where we anything can happen. Like, we, since... Since things like coronavirus, even Donald Trump getting elected and Brexit, I mean, the world's a crazy place. Anything can happen. I think if we set a goal for 2030 rather than focusing on 2050 and have a global collaboration, I think good things can happen. But maybe that's me being naive. Yeah, I think think you're you're right. I think we are kicking the can down the road. I think if anyone's interested in really hard-hitting documentaries, Kiss the Ground, Okay. really, really good. A documentary. It's um, the voiceover is by Woody Harrelson, but it's, okay. it's a brilliant take on how actually mo- modern agricultural practices are actually thwarting our attempts to fight climate change. Yeah. Every time we remove layers of topsoil, we basically stop the ability for carbon to be sunk into the ground, and that ha- and and that's as a result of the amount we consume. So everything to do with climate change is related to the way we consume. We, we waste too much food, we consume too much, especially in the developed world, but just think how that's going to change as we see um, you know, developing economies grow. Yeah. Those people become more wealthy, that's going to become a significant problem. Yeah. And so there is not enough investment going into changing agricultural practices. I totally agree. I was, one of the 
films that impacted me the most was it was a Leonardo DiCaprio film and it's called Beyond the Flood and I watched it and he said doing simple things like changing your diet from away from beef to he talks about even going to eating chicken if you can't give up meat or just having a plant-based diet it reduces CO2 massively there's a graph is actually I talked about this in my final chapter chapter 11 in my book it was a chapter I was almost too scared to release but I thought actually the Amazon was burning rivers are flooding climate's climate change is happening and yeah just changing your diet from into a plant-based diet you can get really tasty food that is actually just based on plants and it's not just climate it's not just uh, carbon it's actually the land use the amount of land it takes to grow food for that cow it's crazy there's an Oxford study that I talk about in my book 36 times more land to to grow a cow to eat for a burger than it would be the equivalent of a a plant-based burger you can eat these kind of very tasty burgers these days that are very plant-based and much better for the environment but yeah so i've gone off on a kind of rant but um, no no no, no. i think it's the thing is it's it's really really important and it's really difficult for individuals to get their heads around because it's it feels really complex and it feels like individuals are having to take responsibility for something that should be prescribed by government yeah um and we and that's why we need collective action you know we need because the difficulty is no matter how you look at this, this is all politically motivated and, and charged. Yeah. If we had a political system, if we had parties yeah. that where they were actually funded by the public, okay. we wouldn't have these um, conflicted interests. Yeah. Because we have donors for the Tory party, and then we have, you know, on the other on the other hand, we've got for Labour, you know, particular groups supporting them, you've got vested interests. Yeah. And those um, politicians go on to get jobs, usually working in finance. Yeah. So it, it's a, it's it's a, I, you know, I mean, this sounds really really up, but it, it it's a corrupt system. Yeah. You know that needs to be changed, and the only way you do it is putting it into the hands of people. Yeah, totally agree. That's that's a really good point. So just wrapping up. So the listener at home is thinking, the, I agree with this. I totally understand this. So how can the listener at home prove they're investing for purpose or help the environment? You can invest or even talked about voting, having better voting rights. You, you can actually, if, you're a, if, if you work at a job, you're auto-enrolled into a pension. You're now, you, you are now a business owner. You are responsible for these companies that are polluting. If you, are, you, if you don't know what these companies are doing, go and speak to your HR advisor. But essentially, yeah, tell me, Charlotte, how can a person at home take actual steps? I think you just, I think you just said it. <laughs> I think you just said it definitely. I think, I think you know, in the same way everyone says you, sh- you need to take time for your mental health, you need to take time for your physical health, yeah. you need to take time for your financial health. Um, so you should build that in. I think in relation to pensions specifically, you should go to your pension provider, ask them about their responsible investment policy, find out which companies you're invested in and ask about them. Yeah. You know, uh, make demands for information. You know, what's their climate change policy? Have they considered impact investing? Um, are you making sure that the trustees best represent you. Most trustees are not diverse and they do not represent a diverse group from an age perspective. That's concerning because they're making decisions on your behalf and many of them are probably going to retire on a DB pension rather than a DC pension. Yeah, so defined benefit versus defined contribution. So, So I would also say consider becoming a trustee. Yeah. You know, be a voice for your pension, you know, make a difference that way. Or 
um, make sure that you are in touch with, in contact with the trustees of your pension scheme. Yeah. They, you know, there are ones that are, you know, employer nominated and then there are member nominated trustees. So you have the power to nominate a trustee and that trustee makes decisions about the policies relating to your scheme. Um, the other thing you can do is get advice from Make My Money Matter. So the sort of Richard Curtis fronted campaign, which is about getting uh, members to better engage with their schemes. They have some really good um, policies and we actually work very closely with them. Um, so, you know, that's the thing. Plus, you know, get in touch with organisations like us, you know, yeah. like Pension Purpose to find out, you know, what you can do. We're always open to receiving those sorts of requests. We are, um, you can find us at www.pensionsforpurpose.com. Brilliant. And just adding for this, as a money coach, I'm impartial. I don't make any money from any, we're not linked to any uh, fund managers. We're not linked to any, owned by any corporations. We're not paid by any um any businesses so we're impartial and we we're essentially here to help you make better decisions with your money we're here to sit on your shoulder we're here to be the wingman that's going to essentially help you make better decisions so just wrapping up quickly so before because I'm, I'm mindful of your time just any any books you'd recommend you mentioned a f um, I think you mentioned a few already and or any quotes or kind of something funny has happened recently or yeah, anything or anything else that's yeah finding something really funny that's happened um, off the cuff in a uh, coronavirus world where you're stuck at home working indoors is quite tricky. But um, what I would say is uh, most recommended influential books from different perspectives, Kate Rayworth's. Yes, I like it a lot. Yeah. I've tried to get her on her podcast. I actually bumped into her yes, uh, this week, fun enough, in Oxford. Yeah, fun enough. I, I've given her my book. She rec she said um, she liked the title of my, my book, If You Want the Fruit, You oh, Need really the Roots. Good. Yeah, I know that's <laughs> That's my claim to fame. But uh, yeah, don't, sorry to take Donald Economics is a great yeah. book, just to say. Just, sorry to it interrupt. Is, it's a really, really good book. Um, it, it basically takes everything that we've been talking about and, and puts it into uh, context. Um, and then uh, Norman Doidge's Neuroplasticity, Neuroplasticity, The Brain That Changes Itself. Okay, I have to check that out. That's, that's an interesting one because um, this, is on, this is back when we used to think that the brain was basically fixed, but there are actually things that you can do to change the way you think, to be more positive. To be yeah. more, and, that, and that completely changes everything. It changes your ability to take control of your finances, yeah. you know, and your life, your job, um, you know, and, and the, the thing that I would say that really makes a difference, or made a difference in, in, in my career is um, actually being invested in my business. So okay. I'm a shareholder of my business, which means that I live, breathe, believe in what I do. And yeah. I think that's the big question that everybody should ask when they're investing in a company. Are the people who run it completely aligned with it? Yeah. There, so I do agree. There is a danger of being too invested quote, in company. Yeah, a great quote. Ah, okay. and I think that relates to the topic and hopefully sums up everything we've been talking about. Is bad things happen when good people do nothing. Okay, nice. I like that a lot. Brilliant. Well, I don't think I can beat that. I think we're going to leave on that quote. I think that's brilliant. So, yeah, okay, again, Charlotte, Charlotte, thank you so much for your time. It's been Charlotte O'Leary from Pensions for Purpose. And you can find, if you want more information, go to www.pensionsforpurpose.com. And this has been Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. Thanks so much for joining us. This podcast is brought to you by the book Millennial Money Mindset. If you want the fruits, you need the roots. It's the five-step method to getting money mindset, getting more money into your pocket, more time in your day, and less stress in your life. 
get your copy today you can pick it up on amazon in print kindle or audible version we also give away some free training with every book bought which is automating your finances to get more me time so you have more time to do the things that you love with your with your day get your copy today money mindset I think that sounds alright.